Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Usually if someone wants to see an object, they might shine a light on it. And that light interacts with the object and reveals information about it. But what if you could illuminate an object using light that never actually interacts with the object? That might sound counterintuitive, but it is now possible, thanks to quantum mechanics and some very clever physicists. That's what we're talking about today on the Physics Central Podcast. There's a new research paper in the August 28th issue of the journal Nature, and this paper includes a picture of a cat. Not a photo of a cat, it's more of a stencil. It looks like a piece of paper with a cat-shaped hole cut out of it. So it has a head, a body, two pointy ears, and a tail. This cat-shaped hole is bright red, and the area around it where the paper would be is darker. And this image of this cat is the data in this paper. It's the result that these scientists are presenting to the world. To create this image, they took a stencil of a cat and they shone light through it. But that light that actually went through the stencil was never picked up by a detector. In fact, it was immediately discarded. And the red light that makes up this image never interacted with the stencil. Let me explain that in a different way. Imagine I want to illuminate an object, so I take a flashlight and I shine it on the object. But instead of looking, I take a second flashlight and shine it in the opposite direction. Now imagine that second flashlight shows me the object. If this sounds bizarre, it should, because what these scientists have done is definitely counterintuitive, but it is not impossible. Their work relies primarily on two concepts from quantum mechanics, entanglement and indistinguishability. But most importantly, this result would not be possible without the physicists and their clever manipulation of those principles. Let me introduce Gabriela Barreto-Lemos. Hello. She's a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Vienna and the lead author on this new paper. It's funny because it sounds like science fiction, but not to me. <laughs> Maybe because <laughs> it sounds very... Um, because at the moment, I know I know all the difficulties also of it. It's rather simple, but it requires a bit of, of patience in, in constructing it. So what makes this science fiction sounding idea possible? To start, let's go back to the two flashlight analogy. One flashlight illuminates the object and the other produces an image of the object. In the experiment done by Lemos and her colleagues, instead of two flashlights, there are two particles of light, two photons. Let's call them Alice and Bob. Alice encounters the object. In this case, the object is a stencil of a cat. The second photon, Bob, is picked up by the detector or the camera. But Bob never touches the stencil. Obviously, lots of photons, lots of bobs, are then used to create the entire image. How can photons like Bob produce an image of an object that they've never interacted with? Well, what if Alice and Bob could share information in some way? In fact, these photons are able to do just that because they are entangled. 
Entangled particles are sometimes called sister particles or twin particles. And twin particles lead very interconnected lives. If something happens to one particle, it influences both particles, even if the particles are physically separated. So if one entangled particle interacts with an object, like a stencil of a cat, then the sister photon also carries information about that interaction. The question then becomes, can scientists access that information by looking at only one of the particles? And the answer is no, they can't. Two photons, when they are entangled, we can't describe either of them separately, but we've described both of them together. And when we try to describe either of them separately, we can't access all of the information because many interesting properties of these particles is contained in what we call the two-particle state. We can think about this in somewhat simpler terms. Entanglement is like this. Imagine I have two particles, two balls, for example, two ping-pong balls, and they can be um, white or black. I have many sort of many pairs of ping-pong balls. Let's say the first ball in every entangled pair gets delivered on the right, and the second ball gets delivered on the left. So if I just measure the ping-pong ball that arrives on the right, and I get black, white, white, black, black, white, white, black, black, I don't know anything about the pair, do I? I only know that this ping-pong ball sometimes comes black and sometimes comes white. And then I measure its partner, the, the ones that come on the left, separately. And also I get black, white, white, black, white, white, black. Lamos says it's crucial to look at both ping-pong balls together to compare them. If I compare the ping-pong balls coming to me from the left and the ones coming to me on the right, I might start to notice a pattern forming. Maybe the balls always come in alternating colors. So one is always white and one is always black, never too white or too black. This is information I can only gain if I look at both balls together. And this is entanglement in the sense that if I measure just one of them, I have no information. If I measure just the other, I have no information. If I look at these two, two columns of results separately, I also have no information. I need to go pair by pair, and then I understand something about the two ping-pong balls that are coming out. Not that one is black and one is white every time, but that when one is black, the other is white, and when one is white, the other one is black. And this is entanglement. This is information that you can only obtain if you look at both at once. Physicists have known this about entanglement for some time, but these physicists wanted to overcome this challenge. They wanted to obtain information that you can normally only get from both photons from just one photon. And this is where Lemos and her colleagues got really clever. If they can't get the information they want directly, what's another piece of information that could tell them the same thing? The solution that Lemos and her colleagues found comes down to this. Knowing where the photons came from or not knowing where they came from. Here's how it works. The entangled photons have to be produced by a source. In this case, it's a laser that passes through a crystal. So the big jump is that we have two sources instead of just one. Both crystals produce pairs of entangled photons. 
Now, I align the parts of these photons such that I don't know at the end of the line if it came from the first source or if it came from the second source. Meaning, when the photons hit the detector, there's no way the researchers can know which crystal they came from. This is what we call indistinguishability. Now things get a little more tricky. The first crystal creates a pair of entangled photons. Once again, let's call them Alice and Bob. The first photon of the pair, Alice, will interact with an object if it's put in front of the crystal. The second photon, Bob, does not encounter that object, but it does get detected by the camera. If there's no object present, then when Bob is detected, it's impossible to tell which crystal he came from. So as the experiment gets running, the camera picks up a whole bunch of bobs that all look identical. Okay, now the researchers put the cat stencil in front of the first crystal. A pair of photons is produced by the first crystal. Alice will encounter the cat stencil. If Alice passes through the hole in the stencil, nothing changes. Alice's partner Bob still looks like all the other Bobs. But if Alice runs into the cardboard, something does change. This cardboard knows where the photon was created because it says, well, if I just absorb the photon, then this photon was created in the first crystal. And, and the red that's arriving at the camera now must have been created in the first crystal because I just absorbed it in the, in, my, in the cardboard. So the cardboard acts as a sort of detector. The cardboard obtains information as to where the photon was created. If Alice runs into the cardboard stencil, the indistinguishability is broken. Suddenly, her partner Bob is distinguishable from the Bobs created by Crystal 2. That means there are two kinds of Bobs reaching the camera. Those that don't know which crystal they were produced in, and those that do. They either have knowledge or a lack of knowledge. Physically, this knowledge or lack of knowledge actually creates an interference pattern. So the bobs that don't know where they come from create a positive interference pattern, so it's very bright. The bobs that do know where they come from create a negative interference pattern, so it's darker. So it's in the contrast between knowing where the photons came from or not knowing where they came from that an image appears. So to look at this another way, we have this experiment, and the goal of the experiment is to gain new knowledge. But that can't happen unless the experimenters do not know certain things. This is the whole beauty of this experiment, that it's, it's able to exploit this lack of information. So it's an experiment about information, about knowable information. Lamos says applications for the technology could include being used as an imaging technique in the laboratory. Sometimes scientists want to image something like a biological sample with a particular wavelength of light. And in some cases, the imaging apparatuses that are available for a particular wavelength of light are inefficient or they're expensive. So this device could serve as a more efficient, more affordable substitution. It can also be adjusted so this one device could be used to look at multiple wavelengths. That's a very practical application. But of course, the big question is, with such a weird, counterintuitive thing happening here, could physicists take this and do something, well, really weird and counterintuitive? Lemos and her colleagues are in the process 
of exploring the possibilities. We learned so much about the setup and about um, the photons and um, these concepts that we all knew, but the setup revealed to us as physicists some new possibilities. And I think for quantum information, I think this is rather exciting. And we are right now doing some experiments to uh, access this information that is otherwise only accessible in, in both particles by only detecting one particle. An imaging system where the photons that interact with an object are never detected and the photons that create the image never interacted with the object. What other bizarre technologies have scientists yet to come up with using quantum mechanics? Thank you again to Gabriela Beretta Lemos for being on the podcast. You've been listening to the Physics Central podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central podcast.